0: Welcome to Refirement Life, the podcast for anyone navigating life transitions or planning to make life transitions to ensure your next years are your best years. Listen in for insightful, generous, and sometimes humorous conversation. It's time to get fired up with Christine Zamuda and Muge Wood, your hosts for this latest episode of Refirement Life.
1: Hello everyone, our dear subscribers, Um, uh, my dear friend and partner Christine Zamuda and I will uh, today host uh, today's episode on thriving with breakthroughs. Um, Breakthroughs of our own making or breakthroughs that may come about as required by circumstances. Um, How do we go about creating particularly a personal breakthrough? So that is our uh, today's topic. Um, I am uh, very excited, along with Christine, to host um, uh, my dear Friend, uh, community leader, um, business change agent, and thought leader, um, uh, Jeannie Gardner. Uh, I think um, you will love hearing from Jeannie, her perspectives, and her candid view on how she went about uh, creating her personal breakthrough and continues to uh, thrive and um, stay in that zone really all, um, most of her life. So, really looking forward to it. Uh, before we dive too deep into the topic, as we always please do. Let's uh, talk a little bit about reflection since the last episode. um, My reflection I'll share is uh, my husband and I were in Michigan over the weekend uh, for my husband's uncle's memorial service. Um, And those types of occasions, as you know, um, create an opportunity for deeper reflection than we may typically take time to do so, um, as well as opportunity to celebrate and honor the life of a loved one who has passed. Um, And during this time, an unexpected pleasant surprise for me was that I learned more about uh, my husband's uh, family history and the fact that His maternal grandmother's sister, if we can wrap our head around that family relationship, um, grandmother's sister married into the Miller family in 1800s in Michigan, who owned um, a dairy factory um, as well as an ice cream factory. So a bunch of dairy farms and ice cream factory. You know who wouldn't want to have an ice cream factory? I could use one probably right now. Um, But sadly, you know, it didn't stay in the family. It's now operated by others, uh, but still carries the name um, Miller Dairy Farm and Factory. And uh, the house of the family is uh, preserved as a museum to reflect the local heritage. So, um, you know, after sampling the black cherry ice cream, which I highly recommend, and uh, for those who come through Michigan, we went into the house and and even uh, almost better than the ice cream was this post uh, that I saw on the kitchen wall um, that compelled me to take a picture so I could share with you uh, verbatim. And, and it said it was titled The Golden Tomorrow. Um, Today is the golden tomorrow that you dreamed of yesterday. And so it will be until the end of time. This day, then, is your day of opportunity. So um, it is our opportunity. Uh, every day is our opportunity. Uh, we don't need to look forward too far or, or uh, look past. Today is the day, which uh, we'll talk about more. So, um, Christine, how about you? Um, what have you been up to?
0: Wow. Well, well, I just want to reflect on the, on the quote that you shared. And it's it just interesting to hear that uh, as, as just a, another way of saying, when you say it in the universe and you act on it, it becomes real, right? So I, I love that. Was that quote from the family itself or was that from someone Elf no, it wasn't the family. Yeah,
1: it wasn't from the family. It didn't even have um a um author or, or origin of the code. It was one of those things that was on a plaque. Um but it really made
0: me pause and linger on the value of today. Right. Right. I love it. I love it. Uh, so well, yeah. So thinking about um what the last 2 weeks actually have been for for me I did travel with some family. Um, like you, we had a family celebration, a wedding of, of my nephew out in San Francisco, and it was uh, very bittersweet. Um, his mom had actually passed away a year ago, so all of us, as of the family. You know, rallied around him in celebration of him starting his new life, but we couldn't help but think, obviously, about my sister-in-law and how much she would have loved to seen and been part of the celebration. And I know in my heart she was she was there. Uh, so those family moments are are super super important. The other um, reflection I had is uh, a bit about the time I spent in Baja, Mexico. I had mentioned that I attended the Modern Elder Academy, and there were three things that I took away from the time. The theme of the week was Unlocking Your Inner Genius uh, by Disrupting Conventional Wisdom. So that sounds like a big, you know, meaty title. And there were a few things that um, um, kind of stayed with me as a result of that. There was a author and speaker whose name is uh, William Donius. He wrote a book called "The Thought Revolution." He talks a lot about tapping into your right brain, and um, you know our right brain is more the creative side, typically. And uh, just a real short exercise he did, which was interesting. He said, "You know, put down on paper some of the things you want to accomplish with your dominant hand." And you do that and then, you know, to put your pen in the other hand that you don't normally with, think on that question, think on, you know, what's next and then write with your non-dominant hand, which um, what science says opens another neural pathway of, um, you know, thoughts and, and things that your brain, you know, keeps there for you to retrieve as needed, but we don't usually tap into uh, that way of thinking. And it was really interesting, some of the sort of next level uh, topics and, and words that came out. Uh, my plan is to have uh, William on our show in the future. And he's, um, he agreed to do that. And we'll spend a lot more time on, on that particular topic. So lots of other things that that Uh, were covered there. Uh, I also like the intergenerational learning, you know, of our cohort, we had people, you know, in their uh, 20s, you know, probably late 30s, maybe 140s, uh, quite a few in the 50s and some in the 60s. So we had this great wealth of um, experience and knowledge and ways to just learn from each other. So, you know, I, I guess in short, it was just a reminder to, to slow down, take the time that you need to think about what's next, what the next chapter is, and, uh, you know, spending, spending the time doing the work actually helps create another level of clarity.
1: That's uh, that's amazing. Love it, Christine. And as you're talking, it continued to inspire me, um, the untapped potential. Uh, that we each have within us, um, I think that's really inspiring. And that's not dependent on age, uh, even circumstance, uh, we need to look deep. And in order to look deep, we have to slow down. Um, so those are some pretty uh, awesome messages. Um, I'm so glad you took the time and initiative to um, go uh, do this experience. I was looking forward to hearing how it went for you, um, because most likely I'll follow in your footsteps to go experience this at some point for myself as well, yeah. um, so um, I think you know, all of these topics are um, generally somewhat connected, um, slowing down to uh, look inward um, to find our passion, purpose, and our true values. So uh, we will shift to uh, today's um, topic thriving with breakthroughs. And and as we were thinking about that, I, I just uh, did a little research and, and wanted to talk about, you know, what is a breakthrough? Um, before we go too much into it, Jeannie, uh, as our special guest, uh, could you please and I can't wait for you to answer this question. Could you please introduce yourself, share your background so our um, um, audience uh, starts getting to know you a bit?
2: Yep, so Christine Mugay, thank you for inviting me today. I'm really, really excited to be on this podcast about refinement, And uh, I think it's an exciting topic because... Uh, each day, every th- one of us goes through some kind of psychological breakthrough and we just don't know what direction to move in. And we, uh, we, we we, have a lot of inner conversations with ourselves to try to make the right decision for ourselves and our family. And I think I hope that today some of the things that I share will help people make ba- breakthroughs in their life. So my name is Jeannie Gartner and uh, I grew up with very humble beginnings. I grew up in North Carolina. My parents were tobacco farmers. And so very early in my life, it was instilled about hard work and education. Uh, I'm the youngest of six children, which is kind of interesting. I have four sisters and one brother. And my sisters actually uh, created the pathway for me because they all went to college. They all majored in education. And I'm I'm the only engineering major in the whole family, so I'm a little bit different. Uh, I've always been different, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so I went to college um, at a historically black university in North Carolina, and I majored in chemical engineering, and uh, had a great time in college, uh, really understanding about engineering. And it's kind of interesting. The only reason I became an engineer because I didn't have any mentors. You know, the only mentors that I had were like teachers, and they were all teachers, and so didn't have any mentors at all, Um, no one to direct me on what I should major in and what I should be doing, but uh, at school, there was a, you know, one of these career days, and there was a career counselor that came from uh, North Carolina a State University and I was talking to this person and they were like well what do you like to do and I start talking about I like to take things apart and put things back together half the time they didn't work uh most of the time so I used <laughs> to get in a lot of trouble with my parents but just having that conversation with that person about what I like to do and what my passions were led me to uh 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 major in engineering, which I never knew what engineering was. I didn't know what an engineer did. The only thing I knew was I like chemistry and I like taking things apart. So that's how <laughs> I became a chemical engineer. And uh, majored in chemical engineering. My first job out of school was at a company called UOP, which is owned by Honeywell now. Um, UOP is a... Uh, a leader in process technology for the refining and petrochemical industry. So I worked at UOP for quite a while, traveling around the world, uh, starting up process units and During my career at UOP, I had the opportunity to move to Houston and work at UOP in Houston. And I was located in Chicago, you know, I'm from North Carolina. I didn't know anybody in Chicago. I didn't know anybody in Houston. So I said, okay, fine, I'll go to Houston. I have no issue with that. So moved to Houston, working for UOP. Um, Then I had a friend that worked for a company, Accenture. And she was telling me how great Accenture was and all the things that Accenture was doing and they were looking for people that worked in the oil and gas industry. So I applied for a role at Accenture, got a job at Accenture, and it was quite interesting because I really understood refining the refining industry and how things worked inside a refinery, but I didn't understand, you know, the business perspective of that. You know, how does the business actually run? And so that was one thing I really wanted to do, and Accenture offered me that opportunity so I moved over and start working at Accenture as a management consultant, working for all kinds of different uh, energy clients. And that's where I met Mugay at Accenture, uh, working with her on a, on a very interesting project. And so um, when I was working at Accenture, I met my boyfriend at that time. Which was soon to be my husband. And he told me if I ever wanted him to be my husband, that I would quit my job and find a new job. I was like, okay, because you know, management consulting, you travel all the time. So, you know, I was leaving home on Sundays and Mondays and coming back on Thursday. And, you know, that just wasn't quite the life that he wanted. I said, okay, so I need to find myself another job. Um, So I started interviewing. And I, um, I got a role at Shell and I worked at Shell for 16 years and working in all kinds of different roles. Uh, I started out at, you know, at like a consultant level within Shell and moved up to a general manager, which was a pretty big deal to be a woman of color general manager in an organization as big as Shell. And uh, after working at Shell for a while, uh, working 16 hour days, working on a lot of high visibility projects and, you know, I read all of these articles about when companies are having problems uh, and they need for those problems to be resolved, they usually hire women or people of color and throw them on those projects, right? And then they don't give them the support that they need. And typically what happens is these people actually fail. And so I was on a lot of high visibility projects. I was getting a lot of support from the organization, but it was very taxing on me and taxing on on who I am and taxing on my core values as a person. And I really started evaluating where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And about that time, COVID happened. And, you know, everything changed for everybody when COVID happened. All of a sudden, you're working from home. You're spending a lot of time with your partner that you didn't really want to spend that much time (laughs) with your partner. Yes, I know that story. (laughs) It really starts making you reevaluate life. And during COVID, very early on in COVID, I think my last day uh, working in the office was March the 13th. Um, in mid-May, my sister had COVID and she almost died from it. And that really made me think about what am I doing with my life? You know, I'm working 16-hour days. I have a global team. I'm up all kinds of hours, early in the mornings, 4 a.m. meetings, 8 p.m. meetings. Driving, you know, prior to that, I was driving an hour, you know, two hours a day back and forth uh, as a commute. And I. I figured that I really didn't want that to be my life moving forward. And uh, Shell was going through a big reorganization. And as a senior leader within the organization, you know, early on we knew about the reorganization was going to happen. My group was being dissolved and our roles were being absorbed by other parts of the organization. And I had the opportunity to apply for a new job and I walked from the 10 steps from my home office to the couch where my husband was laying, looking at YouTube or eBay or whatever he does. (laughs) And I said, I don't think I want to work at Shell anymore. And he said, well, I don't care where you work as long as you have medical benefits. And I said, "Okay. well, you have medical benefits, so I can get on your medical benefits. And so he gave me a hall pass to actually quit my job. And so I quit my job at Shell, and um, my last day was September the 31st, 2021. And what I wanted to do, you know, I, I knew I wasn't finished working, right? I knew I wasn't finished working, but I just had to figure out what I wanted to do next. So the first three months of not having a job, three or four months, I just reflected a lot reflected on who i am who i want to be i fl- reflected on myself as a leader what are my gaps and i really start thinking about what do i want to do um in the future and really start talking to people that are, were doing some of the same things that i wanted to do in the future and really understanding how they charted their courses and so with all of that information i started taking going to um executive level courses and taking some executive level courses i started doing a lot of volunteer work and i was doing a lot of volunteer work already anyway so doing a lot of volunteer work and really just Thinking about me for once in my life. I told someone that I had had a job since I was 14 years old. My first job was working at McDonald's at 14. And I remember because my dad, you know, at 14, you legally can't work. But my dad had to take us down to the Social Security office and get us a work permit at the age of 14. And here I was in my early 50s, and I had never not worked. And so it was like a revelation of how can I not work? But it was okay. And I felt good about it. I felt good about taking a break because I felt like I deserved it. So, you know, I was took a break for about eight months and then eight months in my husband's like you need to find a job. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I need to find a job? He was like, I'm tired of looking at you sitting around here. You need to find a job. And let me tell you, when you don't have a job and you have a partner and you're not bringing in a paycheck, then all of a sudden they think they're king of the castle and that they can make all the decisions. And I was like, okay, we got to change this dynamic. So uh, probably in the May 22 time frame, I started looking for a job. And when I started looking for a job, I had written down everything I wanted out of the job. I had written down what, what I needed you know, from that job, uh, what skills I needed to develop in that job. And so I was very specific of what I wanted. And I had a lot of interviews. I had a lot of job offers. And most of the job offers are turned down because it just really wasn't what I wanted. Because at this point in my career, it wasn't about the pay. It was about satisfying me and my passions and what I really wanted to do and so in November of 2022 I finally accepted a role which is uh, where I am today at KBC Advanced Technologies and I've been in this role for six months and I really love it and the other thing I wanted to say is that you know we spend a lot of time at work but for me work doesn't make up everything that we are and it and at one point in my career work did define me but during that year off I realized that work doesn't define me and it doesn't define who I am and I believe that my purpose in life yes is to work hard and bring home a paycheck but it's also um to make a difference in other people's lives and um So, it's really important for me to balance work and life. And I always tell people there's no such thing as work life balance. You just got to do what you need to do as a person. Um, Because I feel like true happiness and purpose can only be found through people that you know, through experiences that you've had, and through the relationships that you have. And for for success for me means making a meaningful impact in my community, and spending time with my family and friends, and supporting organizations that make a difference in the world. And that's why I think it's always important to volunteer. And as Mugay knows, I've done a lot of volunteering. You know, I've served on the board of Big Brothers Big Sisters. I've been very very active in women's energy network from a local chapter perspective a national chapter perspective and then they have a foundation so i've served in leadership roles in all three of those organizations i um Currently, I am the chair for Girls Incorporated in Houston, and I've done all kinds of other volunteer work, too. And Even when I was at Shell, I, led, I was the executive sponsor for our Asian Pacific networking group. Um, I've done mentoring. I've done coaching. So I think it's very important that you give back to the community and you make an impact uh, because a lot has been given to me, and I just wanted to make sure that I'm giving back to others. Jeannie, this is uh, just incredible, and
1: uh, there's so much goodness in what you shared in your background um, that, um, you know, we we got to touch on some of these in bigger detail. First of all, thank you for being on our show. I've been looking forward to this, and uh, you made a point about how our happiness um, uh, can be deeply related to people we know and the relationships we have, Um, and uh, I will just take a moment to um, uh, talk about how you and I, connected and the impression that left on me um that kept our relationship strong even though we may not be talking you know uh, every day of the year So when uh, you and I initially met at Accenture, we had a lot of good shared work experiences. Um, But in addition to that, um, I was expecting my first child at the time, brand new experience, um, and coming to work uh, nine months plus, super pregnant, uh, getting (laughs) bigger by the day, right? (laughs) Super pregnant. And you and another good friend, um, you said, you know, Miguel, what do you want us to do in case of an emergency? Do you want us to like take you to a hospital, call somewhere? because you keep showing up uh, like nothing is happening. And, you know, I was naive, confident, and ignorant all at the same time. I'm like, oh, it will all work out, you know, um, don't worry about it. but the other, even um, you know, important part is when uh, after I had my uh, first child, you and um, our other friend showed up at the hospital. You were among the first visitors to come see me, and you brought this uh, stuffed rabbit that has become a favorite toy for my kids, uh, which we have to this day. And uh, it, it, I just wanted to highlight that the importance of relationships and um, the imprint that it can leave on you for life in a positive way. Um, so. So um, there's a lot of goodness in what you said. It's clear you have been a trailblazer on many fronts all throughout your career. What I find um, particularly intriguing, though, um, the acknowledgement and courage um, that you have shown uh, to leave a very good job. Uh, a leadership position at Shell, uh, to go do something different that may speak to you more based on where you're in life um, and um, bring the joy that you want and deserve at this point. So after you make that decision, what I am curious is um, you you spend some time to, um, you know, seek deeper clarity on what is important to you. You wrote it down. You thought about it. You didn't want to settle. So that period, I think, can be tough um, because you may think maybe I should just go do something and take the next possible offer. Or, you know, you may start questioning, did I do the right thing? Um, So during that period, how did you
2: uh, stick with it? Yeah, sticking with it was very hard, especially when you have a partner that's pressuring you to do something, Um, but you know, you, you really got to self-reflect and really understand your passions and really understand who you are. Um, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I'm like, but what are your passions? And I think a lot of people don't re- understand what their passions are and they don't understand who they are as a person. And so, you know, what kept me going was This is what I want out of life. This is what I want to do. This is where my passions are. And I'm just not going to settle for less. Uh, One of the things I went through a lot of exercises around mindsets and limiting beliefs, and we all have a lot of limiting beliefs, right? It's that little voice in your head that tells you what you can't do it, right? Or it tells you uh, that not to do this, or it may be something that happened to you in your childhood that's still with you, that's holding you back, right? And So you really got to think about what are my limiting beliefs and how do I conquer those limiting beliefs so that they're not holding me back from getting what I want and what I deserve. And I think the other thing for me was. Understanding my value. A lot of people, a lot of us don't understand the value that we bring to work, the value that we bring to other people and other people's lives. And really, you know, even if you got to write it down, how am I valuable? What would happen if I wasn't here? What wouldn't happen if I wasn't here? I mean, when I left Shell, people thought I was crazy. They were, people were sending me notes on LinkedIn, text messages. Are you crazy for leaving that job? And I was like, there's other companies besides Shell. That's there's right. Life, <laughs> there's, there's, there's life outside of Shell. Mm-hmm. Shell doesn't define who I am. And right. so, I think it's important for you to really define who you are
0: yeah and and Jeannie, can you talk a little bit about you know when you envisioned this next job when you were ready to start you know going back into the workforce what What were some of the non negotiables you had, and how did they match up to your core values? I think that's could
2: be really interesting for the audience. Yeah, so some of my um, so some of my non-negotiables because um, I I have a I call it my five-year plan and everybody references it uh, to Jeannie's five-year plan, but I want to do corporate board service. That's what I want to do whenever I finish this career, and uh, so a lot of the people I talked to or were people that while I was not working were people that currently serve on corporate boards and so I really understood what corporate boards are looking for I understood you know one of the pieces of advice was Jeannie don't try to do everything everybody else is doing find your niche Mm -hmm. what are you good at how can you contribute and one of the things I did was really looking at what is my niche. And when I start talking to companies, I started applying for roles that were specific to my niche and what I was really good at and what I could do. And then as I started talking to leaders, I really start asking them about their core values as a leader and their company core values. And did they align with my core values? And if they didn't align with my core values, I was like, moving on, next company. Because mm-hmm. if, if if a company and the people that I'm going to work for don't align with my own personal core values, and I encourage everybody, write down what your core values are. My core values are authenticity. My core values are honesty respect and volunteerism those are my core values and if the companies that i were talking to didn't align with those core values it wasn't the company for me or it wasn't the person for me right and so you just got to stick to who you are, right? And not settle for anything else. And, you know, I was lucky that I was in a position that I could be out for that long. And I know some people, you know, you can't be out for that long based on what your obligations are. Um, But, you know, understand who you are, understand your core values. And even if the company aligns with you know, two out of three out of four of your core values, then I would say give them a chance, you know? And, you know, I tell tell people at my job today, I'm like, hey, I don't have to be here. I want to be here, right? I want to be here. I don't have to be here, right? As soon as I see things aren't aligning with who I am, I might start thinking about what's next for me. Because Mm -hmm. at this point in 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 my career, it's not about, yeah, I'm here to add value for the company and to do a good job, but it's more about me also. And I think a lot of times companies forget that employees are people and you have to treat them as individual people and not just a number on a piece of paper. Exactly.
0: Yeah. What you just said. I mean, that's great advice, no matter where you are in your career, because even if you are younger and you're dependent on that paycheck, remembering that you want to be there and you don't need to be there only will put you in in process, right? In action to get something else. No one is a hostage of a company. We all have free will. We all have the ability to change our circumstances. It may take a little time, a little extra planning. You might not be able to leave, uh, you know, as, as a young person for that gap of time, but certainly you can put some, some uh, plans in motion. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, I it's, it's it's it's, oh, I was gonna say, it's,
1: it's, hu- it's just hugely important, I wanted to say, as I'm reflecting on here, how um, we all have long corporate careers associated with an organization, and we observe how our identities get wrapped around it inevitably, because we put so much ourselves into it. But, you know, you really need to keep yourself in check and maintain your identity values and ask the question, healthy question, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good question. Um, And Jeannie, your point about uh, the need for congruence of what you value versus what the environment supports, I think is so key because when that is out of whack by a big margin, we feel the impact physically, mentally, and we end up putting so much energy to sort of fit in and, um, you know, contribute um, uh, that you know, it's not right and that energy should and could have been spent differently um, to bring out our best talents um, and uh, our, our, you know, inner nature.
2: Yeah, and I think that's an excellent point and we tend to ignore it. <laughs> yeah, we do. We ignore it, you know, and when, when I left Shell, I start reflecting and I'm like, oh my God, I was so stressed and I was just ignoring the stress. You know, I was eating that, you know, Chick-fil-A every day, you know, because by the time I got home, you know, I didn't have time to cook dinner because in four hours I had to be in bed so I could get up and start that day over again. And so we typically ignore these things, but taking that time off, it gave me a time to reflect. And I had my list when I started looking for a job, I had my list of all the baggage that I was not going to take with me on to that new job right and the commute was part of that baggage i'm like i'm not commuting for an hour hour and a half no more it's just not going to happen i interviewed for a job in the woodlands and i told the recruiter i'm like i don't want to interview for this job it's in the woodlands and he was like well just talk to them i was like fine and i knew going into the conversation that i didn't even want to talk to them because it was in the woodlands and it was on my list of baggage i was leaving behind and so you got to make that list of baggage that you're leaving behind and stick to it mm-hmm. that's yeah. uh
0: that that is
2: that is that is so that is so,
1: that is so true um We are uh, a little bit winding down on our time. One thing, though, Jeannie, I want to touch upon, because you have been a a community leader on multiple fronts. Uh, You have been on the board for Women's Energy Network, Girls Inc., you are on the board. Um, How did these experiences um, help you assess uh, what is important to you while providing an opportunity to contribute to the community? Um, uh, How do you think about those experiences?
2: Yeah. um, Like I said earlier, you know, work, um, work, I'm not just about work. I'm about life and making an impact on on other people. And I think I kind I kind of went towards these organizations that are focused on women and girls, because when I was younger, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have someone to tell me what was possible in life and I think it's so important especially in marginalized communities underrepresented communities to really help these girls understand that they have possibilities in life that they have opportunities in life and a lot of times you don't get the exposure to understand that there is opportunity and so I like volunteering for those types of organizations because it does expose young girls to opportunities and gives them a pathway out of poverty or a pathway out of the circumstances that they're in. And, you know, elevating women, especially in the energy industry, is just so important because if we get to the top and we don't pull up people behind us, then the pipeline will never be filled. And so when I was at Shell working as a GM, highly respected in the organization, I made sure that I pulled up people behind me. I made sure that I advocated for the people that no one was advocating for. I mean, there were so many times I was in these performance review sessions where all the leaders are talking about all of their people and how great they are, but there were people that looked like them. They were never talk about anybody that didn't look like them. And so you know I was the one that was advocating for the underdog and making sure that we were pulling up people and giving people opportunities and chances. you know the one thing I hate is when a company goes outside and says, oh well I can't find a diverse candidate so I, I'm gonna go outside and hire one. There's so many diverse candidates within these organizations but the organizations aren't pulling the people up and giving them the opportunity to excel. So that's why I like volunteering for Women's Energy Network and organizations that are focused on girls from underrepresented and marginalized communities.
1: That's, um, th- uh, I, I thank you, Jeannie. I wanted to bring that up because we are talking about creating our own personal breakthroughs, but we also, I think, have an opportunity, and I may go as far as to say obligation, uh, to help drive and contribute to breakthroughs in our communities in ways uh, that matter to us. So as we wind down, um, I want to leave our audience with a couple things to think about um, uh, to wind down this great conversation. Uh, This book caught my eye. It's from Margaret Garziano. It's called Ignite Culture on Leading High Performance Organizations. Um, In order to do that, though, um, we got to have our own personal breakthrough. It's difficult to be an effective leader without um, being one with yourself. And she suggests along the lines of what we have been talking about, three steps we can, I think, start practicing or continue to practice more deeply. Um, One is declare your vision. Take the broken agreements, disappointments of the past, and move forward with possibilities, limiting the negative self-talk we talked about. Um, Holding ourselves accountable and knowing our value. Jeannie, you touched upon that a lot. Maintaining integrity with ourselves, um, making sure that we are clear about who we are, what we want to be and staying with it. Um, And finally, um, I I think we all had an experience in this, joining a group personal or professional that speaks to our passion, brings us joy, helps us connect with um, individuals who share our passion so we serve a higher purpose um, bigger than ourselves. Um, That also gives us the energy and inspiration to continue the exploration. Um, Christine, do you have any other um, comments to um, wrap up with?
0: yeah, Jeannie, it's been fantastic hearing your journey and just your conviction, your execution of your vision to get you to a place where not only are you happier, but you're making even greater impact. When we spoke briefly before uh, before this um, meetup today, you mentioned that you know your vision was to have impact on just one person. Just one more person in your life. And there is this great quote that I pulled uh, from John Quincy Adams. And he says, If your actions inspire others to dream more, do more, you are a leader. And certainly you are impacting just loads and loads and, uh, you know, just really likely multi generations of people. So I am so proud to have met you. Um, look forward to being a big cheerleader of, of yours wherever you go. Count on us to to help amplify your messages, and uh, we just need more Genie Gardeners.
2: Well, thank you, Christine. I really appreciate that. I'm learning learning to say thank you, but thank you that that was very kind words. And you know, we we all just show up every day and do what we can. You know, and, and that's what I encourage people to do is really look at yourself, really look at your life and find out what you want to do, who you want to be. And it's never too early or never too late to do that. Exactly.
0: Yeah. My father used to always say, very short, he said, if you can, you must. And yes. we hear those words in our head, like, and and you know, watching life or watching someone who needs something. If you can, you must
2: yeah and you know just this one final comment um you know my husband and I were having a conversation out on the patio one night and we were drinking and you know men they talk a lot when they start drinking (laughs) and he told me he was like you're here but you're not here I'm like well what are you talking about he was like you're here and you're on the phone you're talking to somebody else at work, you're working, you're doing this, you're doing that, but you're not spending any time with me. And that was a huge breakthrough for me. Huge mm-hmm. breakthrough for me. Because I thought I was doing all of the right things, but just to hear his perspective on what I thought was right, wasn't right for us. Mm-hmm. And so you can find breakthroughs through other people. And Absolutely. I found a, I found a breakthrough through him because he was right. I was there, but I wasn't there.
0: Yeah. The people who love us and know us the best can be great guides,
2: right? Yes. Great Sherpas in your life. <laughs> yes. But we just got to be willing to listen. Mm-hmm willing to listen even if it's n- not what you want to hear you got to be willing to listen and willing to take action that's right so true so true um uh, the the
1: mindset uh that we have to carry and i am uh, completely inspired jeannie by your um reflections and the journey that you have taken that tells us we are never done uh we are limitless um uh, if we uh do the work of listening opening ourselves up to possibilities uh there's so much in us um that we can build upon uh to be our best selves um and um, and help those around us so what can be better um that is uh terrific thank you so very much uh for this great conversation um and um We'll look forward to staying in touch and um, uh, catch up on how our journey continues to evolve. Um, And for today, thank you to uh, all of our subscribers. Um, uh, Till the next time, uh, catch you at the next episode. Bye
0: for now. Thank you for listening. Our hope is to spark a little joy, inspire and educate our listeners in ways to live an even more meaningful life. If you have reactions to share from what you've heard, please visit our website, refirement.life, to leave a voice message. You may even be featured in a future episode. To keep in touch, subscribe to our podcast, Refirement Life, using the podcast player of your choice. Always remember, you are never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Thanks again for joining us on this episode. Until next time.